Hi, I'm Danielle Fetter. I'm Alexandra Lee, and we're the co-hosts of Partial View Podcast. Hey, welcome back to Partial View Podcast. We're very excited today to talk about BroadwayCon. So Alex and I were really excited to get approved to attend BroadwayCon on press passes, which was on Friday, July 21st through Sunday, July 23rd. And I, Danielle, attended Friday and Saturday, and Alex attended Saturday and Sunday. So we've got some takeaways to share with each other about the days that we didn't attend and some takeaways that we have in common that we want to share with you guys. Basically, we were really interested to kind of see how the industry is being represented at BroadwayCon and how that love of theater is manifesting at the Marriott Marquis, which is where it was this year. But before we get into that, um, we thought that we would still, you know, do a little what we're enjoying at the moment for y'all. And I don't know, Danielle, do you want to go ahead and start? I guess we should also mention that we we feel pretty strongly about trying to stay away from projects associated with the WGA and SAG-AFTRA right now to not give them any airtime because of the strike that's ongoing. So we just kind of want to support by that omission. Correct. So there is a certain movie that recently came out that Alex and I both saw that we will not be talking about today as much as we would like to. And my pink outfit was fabulous. But that's beside the point. (laughs) I had a great time. And we'll leave it at that. Um, So that's, you know, the main thing I've been enjoying that shall not be named. But something else, you know... We're just going to go basic here. This is not even a piece of media or storytelling. It is simply the fact that for a few days, the weather outside did not make me want to pass away. It was (laughs) no, like the humidity in New York City finally broke. We got a little bit of a respite and I am very grateful for that. What about you, Alex? So I've been getting very into cross-stitching, which is not my pick, but I will say that it's allowing me to catch up on my podcasts, and I'm, like, really excited for that because I'm very, very far behind on a number of my podcasts. And most recently, I've been catching up on a podcast I've been following for quite a while, let's say maybe, like six or seven years, but they've been going for 10 years. They've had their 10th anniversary this year, which like, oh my God, can you imagine? Will we still be doing this when we're in our 40s? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Will podcasts exist? Will the planet exist? Will the planet exist? These are ongoing questions. (laughs) So this podcast is about two friends and every week, One of them reads uh, a book that they've never read before and the other just research on it and then they come together and they just kind of like talk about it and like their impressions and the plot and the history of the author and kind of the context of the book as well. Sometimes they have guests, but normally it's just like two friends talking about books and it's called Overdue. Uh, It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. 
and kind of started off as like they're doing like classics things that you maybe didn't get to in high school but you were supposed to read and because they've been doing it for 10 years they've done like over 500 books now so it's really expanded to being a really wide array of literature and they also do these really fun episodes on choose your own adventure books where they will follow they will read aloud from a choose your own adventure book and then you see like where they die it's just it's really funny it's really fun and highly recommend it if you're looking for something that's a little bit lighter on your podcast feed that's overdue a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read with Craig and Andrew. So let's get into it. We had a, I think a really like fun and exhausting weekend at BroadwayCon. Definitely exhausting. <laughs> I was supposed to go on Sunday as well. And just when I got home Saturday night, I was just like, no, no, it's not happening. Yeah. If I have any hope yeah, yeah, of yeah. being functional when the week starts, mm-mm, no. Yeah, so it's interesting because this was the first time BroadwayCon had been in the summer. Well, it was founded, it began in 2016. 2016, and then it ran for, literally counting on my fingers, five years, yep. and then it came back last year. So it only missed one year because it was in January of 2020. Yes, exactly. So it's it's been, and, and I think it also like didn't take totally a year off in 2021. I think it was virtual. So it's been running consistently since 2016. Um, still a fairly new convention they hop around from location to location and don't seem to have a um a home yet which like i mean you're in midtown new york you have plenty of places to choose from yeah they've been at the javits center a number of times and um i think this might have been the first year that they were at the marquee i believe it was yeah which is just funny for those of us who've been around like the New York theater scene in the last decade, the the Marriott Marquis has a special place in a lot of our hearts. Yes, I once saw Sondheim on the escalator there. Oh, that's fun. I had a panic attack there once. I probably did too, but Sondheim <laughs> has overtaken that as a memory. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so there are a number of different components to Broadway Con. There's... um. Obviously, sort of the main programming, which are a lot of panel discussions, some meet and greets with actors and other people in the theater industry, and a marketplace where Broadway theater-related vendors can sell their wares. That uh, So it's a lot of, like, memorabilia and both, like, actual memorabilia from and merchandise from current and past shows, but also... You know, like someone has an Etsy shop and they make show themed, whatever the case may be. They Stickers can... and keychains yeah. and pins and shirts. And jewelry. And I was interested to see that the marketplace also had a couple colleges there mm-hmm. this year. And in the past, there have been more vendors that weren't um, like selling anything in particular that, mm-hmm. you know, in the past, um, you know, Frenchwoods, the theater camp has had a table there but of course because this is in July now like they're not at, they weren't at Broadway Con because they were actually like campus happening so yeah. it made more sense for them when it was uh in January but so be it yeah and also i think uh wicked had a huge presence this year because they're in the midst of gearing up for their 20th anniversary in the fall and so they're already doing a lot of giveaways and 
and events and things right now uh, this in during the summer. And um, there were a couple wicked events and panels. And then on the Saturday night of the con, this is something that we did not attend, but there was a big kind of wicked themed party slash it was a big it was a big event with actors from the show in the past and it was sort of the description of the event was more it was sort of like an after hour special event like it started Mm -hmm. in the evening after the day the main programming of the day had wrapped up and it was called Oz Dust Ballroom and Mm -hmm. it in addition to having some like giveaways and little like games or events within the event, like an auction, it was sort of just like a show tune sing along evening. Yeah, it, but everyone was like dressed up, and I saw them setting up the step and repeat, which is a really nice um, touch for people to take photos in front of that. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's it seemed like a really fun way to get people in the in the mood for a little partying and a little celebration of Wicked if you didn't choose to see a show that night. Which I actually did. Um. (laughs) I didn't. I went home and slept, but (laughs) that's okay. So I kind of thought that like the overall atmosphere was really chill. It really was. It seemed very, it seemed like not very crowded. It almost looked like there weren't a ton of people there. And I will say, I feel like having bought Broadway Con in the summer, people just have a lot of things going on in the summer, especially like Broadway actors. They have like galas and concerts and summer stock and whatnot. And I feel like I didn't see as many big Broadway names as I normally do for Broadway Con as the back when it was in January. So I know they're planning to have it in the summer next year and I'm really interested to see how they kind of pivot after trying it out this year because I think that the new timing did sort of affect the overall vibe of the convention. Yeah I think it's tough to push an event like this five or six weeks after the Tonys. Mm -hmm. It it, like I think people were pretty tapped out (laughs) and on one hand it's a nice moment to do it because there is this sort of lull and you Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily being pulled in 70 different directions by different shows to see or other events to attend. But it also, I think, yeah, like people are on vacation in the summer. People are like, you know, doing other things. Although at the same time, coming to New York for Broadway Con could be a lot of people's summer trip. Exactly. I think it was maybe easier for people who are in school yes, to navigate that in July versus end of January. But overall, I... So I've never been to Broadway Con before. I have been to multiple cons. I've been to New York City Comic Con. I've been to Awesome Con in DC both multiple times. And I've also been to Baltimore Comic Con. And... This was the smallest con I've ever been to, and it just, like, wasn't as busy as I thought it would be. Not to say, like, there's a lot of programming. Like, I would say that there was probably more programming at this one than there was at Awesome Con in D.C., which had, like, eight times as many people. Wow. Yeah, so, like, the, there was a big diversity in, the and like, the panels and the programming. What was your impression having been there before pre-COVID? Yeah, so... I attended Broadway Con only for one day 
in 2018. And I was there with The Interval because we were putting on a panel featuring Betsy Wolf, Philippa Sue, and Lee Silverman. And that panel was wonderful. And that was my first real experience with like, like I arrived essentially like for the panel and then stayed the rest of the day. And my impression uh, that that year it was at the Javits Center. And I remember being so exhausted, even from a few hours because and I wasn't even attending other programming, really. I, I think I went to a couple of things, but I definitely remember it was more crowded and there were lines to get into some panels and some events. I do wonder how much of that was like the actual venue because at the Marriott people and panels were spread across three floors of the hotel and Javits is just like we were in sort of just like one fairly condensed section of Javits Center. Mm-hmm. Standing in line to get into a panel is a time-honored Javits tradition. Yeah, so. for sure. And I think also, the, I, I really do think a lot of this has to do with the venue and the way things were set up because in 2018 when I was there, I remember I was in the marketplace area and chatting with someone and a few feet away, a giant horde of teenagers started like scream singing something and there was like someone on a mic and they were doing like a whole sing-along thing in the middle of the marketplace and everything... I kept describing my experience at 2018 Broadway Con as just being bombarded with musical theater teen energy and that as someone who a lot of the time I wasn't in my 30s, but someone who was decidedly not a teenager anymore found it very exhausting while still recognizing that if this had existed while I was a teenager, I would have... I think I probably would have murdered someone to be able to attend. Like I would have gone, I would have been heaven. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the shift for me, other than just like crowds and the, the relative calmness of this year's Broadway con, I think there's been a shift in the cons programming in that time as well, because I don't remember a ton of specifics about how, about what the programming was in 2018, but I do remember getting the impression that the intervals panel about, you know, the experience of being a woman in the industry was sort of the exception, not the rule of the type of programming that was going on. So was it more like, so BroadwayCon's kind of tagline is where Broadway and fandom meet. And like the whole idea is that fans get like face-to-face time with people who work on Broadway, often actors. So you feel like that was where it was originally geared towards? Yes, I would say Okay, it used to be much more fandom driven. Like it felt Mm -hmm. a lot like some of the things that still exist at like the Broadway flea market with the like photo ops mm-hmm. and except it's just without the the charity element you've just paid for your con ticket. But this year I was actually very pleased and it sort of felt like there were two tracks you could take in the programming essentially. Like there was still this more 
fandom oriented track of programming where there were like sing-alongs karaoke sessions photo ops with people fun panels that were like strictly about shows like Mm -hmm. Alex you went to one for Anne Juliet and things like that but there were also a lot of panels I would say honestly like the bulk of the programming this year was very oriented towards representation and inclusion Mm -hmm. and accessibility in the industry and more there was a real attempt to have like more critical conversations there was and what I found people were saying panelists were saying actors creators administrators over and over in my panels was like you know, the art of theater goes far beyond Broadway. Be be supportive of your regional theaters, your community theaters, your educational theater. Um, and I thought that that was a really interesting message that I kept hearing at Broadway Con. Um, and it makes you think about, you know, what, what we mean when we talk about Broadway. This felt very much more like a theater fan con than it was for, you know, Broadway fan con. Yeah, there was even, there was a whole panel about regional theater. There was, yes, which was one of the ones that I attended. Um, however, this, and this goes into one of my criticisms of the programming, which is that I did still feel like a lot of the programming was very focused on, you're a young actor who's looking to learn more. I feel like that was kind of the demographic they were very targeted to. When I say that I went to a regional theater panel, I did, but it was all actors who'd worked in regional theater. There were no administrators. It was just actors talking about how to be successful in a regional market. That's interesting because I don't think I got that impression. I mean, it certainly was very actor driven, but I think that's just the Mm -hmm. nature of the industry and the fact that actors and like the profession of acting is the most visible thing. Exactly. Yeah. I think there really was like a good amount of variation in who the panelists were, I think, and and the panel topics. Like, I think one of the panels I attended on Asian American representation actually Mm -hmm. All the panelists were administrators. Which is funny because I attended another one on Asian American representation. It was all actors. So maybe it was just luck of the draw for me. Yeah, maybe. because And then there's also, of course, um, I attended the recording of the podcast Dear Multi-Hyphenate with Michael Kushner. And all but one of the people on the, I guess, panel of this podcast episode are actively working as actors but of course because it's dear multi-hyphenate they all do other things as well and Mm -hmm. you know I really did experience a pretty nice range of things which was great because as we're often talking about on this podcast we feel like the administrative side often sort of gets lost in the shuffle Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um I will also say I just like didn't find again this is maybe luck the draw for like what I attended I didn't find a lot of the programming to go super deep, super niche, and especially during the Q&As, I felt like it kind of, multiple panels that I went to turned into the, so can you give me advice on my burgeoning career? So that's kind of where I'm, that's what, that's where I'm getting this, like, impression that it was more geared towards young performers I, I guess especially with their star to be competition they had actor workshops they also That's had writer of, workshops though they did have a writer workshop yes 
Yeah, I think, you know, we'll get into this a bit later, but I agree that I think a lot of the sessions didn't get super deep, and I think that's really just a time constraint issue and for a one-hour mm-hmm. panel and the fact that there's some of the subjects that folks were trying to, you know, start conversations about are, like, massive topics that... Mm-hmm. Like we've said about our own podcast episodes before, like an hour or even an hour and a half simply isn't enough time to really give like a comprehensive overview of something um, when it's as not only like as important as some of the topics that were being brought up at Broadway con panels, but also just like when they're as huge as like mm-hmm. one of the panels I attended was called Musicals and Mental Health. Like, that's that's a big topic. That's giant. That's giant. I went to one that was just about immersive theater, and they started off with the question, what is immersive theater? Which, like, that's a class. That is like a semester-long class, <laughs> breaking down the theory of immersive theater and what you mean by that term. So, like, and that's honestly, like, a, that's a symptom of a smaller con, to be completely yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just, that's just kind of, like, I have attended, um... I have attended a, like cons with with similar kind of conundrums, so I think that that's something that they're probably just feeling out, especially with who they were able to get again because this was the first summer that they had the con. Given that the panels at Broadway Con this year were so much more really like industry focused and focused on representation and accessibility and inclusivity. Did you learn anything new at any of the panels you attended? I don't think so. Like, I don't think I, I don't think I really got, it's not that I didn't get anything out of these panels. Like, I took a lot of notes. I have, like, a lot of great ideas. Um, But I wouldn't say I, like, learned anything that I feel like is going to be, like, very, like, instrumental going forward as like a theater artist or a theater fan. I attended a panel on 20 Years of Wicked where they had a stage manager and two performers talk about like being in a long running show and the longevity of Wicked. And they had um, Jen Denoya who has played Elphaba in like something like eight different companies oh or God. something. And, and like a, and a universal swing as well um and so I actually learned a lot about Wicked and how things have changed in the last 20 years which is super fun for me because I actually haven't seen the Broadway production since April 2004 oh my god Um, you need to go back it holds up I am I'm going to the 20th anniversary oh good good yeah I'm going to the 20th anniversary performance and I'm like really excited but I found out that like they got rid of the giant hat. Like, what? That was so, like, instrumental to the experience when I was <laughs> 13, 12. I was 12. Oh, my God. So, like, that was really cool. And getting to hear about, like, they really went into detail about, like, using understudies and swings and universal swings and what the experience of a universal swing is like, which I, like, had an idea, but I didn't really know. So, like, that was actually really interesting. Could you say something about, can you, like... I guess, define terms for people who are listening who may not know what you mean by universal swing. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, So a universal swing. So an understudy covers principal roles 
um, but is often also in the ensemble of a show. A standby is somebody who is contracted on a show with the intent of they go they can kind of go on at a moment's notice for a principal role. Um, a swing does a similar kind of thing for an ensemble track, and they generally cover cover multiple ensemble tracks in a show as a swing. A universal swing is somebody who covers multiple tracks, but also for multiple productions. So they can go into like a touring production, a Broadway production. You can go into a sit down production out in like San Diego, kind of on a moment's notice. That is crazy. That actually also explains a lot because something I've talked about more than once with the friends is how we see these news stories every so often about like wicked flew in an alphaba standby or swing from a tour stop to cover on Broadway because so many people were out and it's like, we're like, just hire more people. But it's like, no, it turns out those are the people that they hired specifically to do that. Yeah, it's a crazy existence, honestly, but it's also like critical mm-hmm. for a show like Wicked that has had so many productions. They tried to count them at the panel and they, they lost count at like 17 oh my God. for how many productions of Wicked there have been. And at one point there were 12 running at once. And you just, you you need the backups for the backups for the backups to cover different tracks. Mm-hmm. They I also learned that Wicked has a brownstone on 9th Avenue and a warehouse in New Jersey, all for their costumes. Wow. Yeah. That tracks because it's, uh, those costumes are big. They're big and... Heavy and intricate. So many different sizes. It was, it was actually mm. really interesting. I won't go on too much about it, but like it was it was a very interesting panel. Uh, and I will also say that I got to hear from a lot of different actors of color talk about their experiences on stage and in the industry, which I just think is really valuable for me to be listening to as a white woman and in my dramaturgy and in my producing work. Um, I do really try to uplift underrepresented voices. Um, so I do think that it was you know, it's always good for me to be attending those kind of events with the intent of learning. So I would say that that's like the bulk of what I learned that I feel like I can actually like carry with me. What about you? So the biggest thing that I learned as far as like actual new information was at the panel called How Writers Get Paid, Mm -hmm. which is super pertinent given the WGA strike right now but so the background for this piece of information which i did know is that the dramatist guild which is the membership organization for playwrights and like musical theater book writers etc is not a labor union and that is the direct result of a lawsuit in the 1980s that basically it's i i don't I don't remember the details of the lawsuit, but the outcome is that it, it it prevents the Dramatist Guild from operating like a labor union or becoming one. So mm. the last time playwright contracts were negotiated and not collectively bargained, again, because they're not a labor union, was right after this lawsuit in the 80s. And what that means in practice today 
is that there are writers who simply are not getting paid when they have a show running on Broadway. It isn't just, oh yeah, like there's low pay, um, you're not getting enough money. There have been two people on this panel, which had, I think, four writers. That's 50% of this panel explicitly said during this discussion that they have agreed to contracts for a Broadway production of something they worked on for zero dollars because often producers, not even often, but just like historically producers have justified keeping playwright and just writer fees in general low is because of the bet and the assumption that a Broadway production is the thing that is going to give this script further life regionally and in like licensing and amateur productions and school productions Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so that the playwrights payday is coming because this Broadway show is what's going to facilitate that through licensing, which like, first of all, often isn't true. And second of all, doesn't just like that's it's that's insane. Like, that's so ridiculous. And I had no idea that it was that dire. Just to clarify, when you say it's not true, from what I understand and from another panel that I went to, licensing is where you make the money. When you say that it's not true, it means that it that lightning often does not strike a script to the point where licensing is going to like get it a lot of money. Right, like, exactly, that the sort of, they started, a lot of the people on the panel were referring to subsequent licensing and, like, royalties from licensed productions, Mm -hmm. essentially as passive income after the fact, and all of them have said that if they were to try to rely on that passive income Mm -hmm. for all of their works in totality, they still wouldn't be able to pay rent. Okay. So, like, obviously there are things like Wicked or, yeah. you know, with that where, I mean, that's not really licensing. Um, no, But, yeah. like, that there are exceptions to this, of course, but it's, like, yeah. one, of the, one of the playwrights on this panel was Doug Wright, mm-hmm. and he talked about having had six Broadway productions mm-hmm. and, oh, like, over the course of his career so far, and that the royalties and licensing fees for all six of those plays still isn't enough for him to live on. So that was just, I really was surprised by just how dire that situation is for writers. Oh yeah. Another thing I learned, which I also knew about, but I just got some, a little bit more background and context for is the work that the Broadway Green Alliance does um, in the industry. So check them out if you aren't familiar with mm-hmm. what they do. Yeah, absolutely. We will link to that in the show notes. Yes. Hi, everyone. Alex here with a little reminder that if you haven't looked into it yet, we do have a Patreon up and running. That's at patreon.com slash partial view pod. It starts at our thank you five tier for just $5 a month, where you will get added to our Instagram close friends to see all of our hot takes and our hot gossip that we might not want to put on the main feed. We also have cut for time content at least once a month posted on our Patreon 
Patreon. And if you subscribe at any tier, you get a shout out and a thank you in each of our main episodes. After the thank you five tier, we have our in the mix tier for $8 a month when you will also get monthly bonus episodes like some of the formats we've been trying out recently, like our quarterly recap episode. After that, we have a $20 a month equity cot tier where we will promote your project because we like that you're supporting us and we want to support you. And after that, it's our $100 a month comp offer tier where we will treat you to a show and, you know, hang out with you for a little bit. So if you think that this sounds like fun, like something that you want to do, head on over to patreon.com slash partialviewpod. As always, thank you to Sharon for kicking it off on our Patreon. We so, so, so appreciate your support. All right, back to the show. So now I think we're going to move on to some general criticisms of the con and you know, things that weren't maybe mm-hmm. our favorite parts, uh, things we'd yeah, like to see absolutely. change moving forward, potentially. Absolutely. My first thing was that I had a really messy check-in situation <laughs> yeah. for my media patch, which I won't spend too much time on, but I went to like four different tables and I got three different badges, which I was really not supposed to have before finding somebody who was like, no, here, like, that. We're, we need to communicate and fix this. And I was kind of like, yeah, you do. And and by finding someone, you mean finding me and I brought yes. you to the table that I actually successfully checked in at. Yeah, <laughs> it was um, it was a saga. But, you know, we got in. It was all good. I think that the, what I found most frustrating about a lot of the overall attitudes and kind of like rhetoric surrounding the the programming at BroadwayCon was that there was so much romanticizing what it was to work in theater and work on Broadway. And I'm not saying that there aren't like great things. Like um, I went to a panel. Oh, I forget which panel this was actually a part of. It might've been about acting on stage versus acting on screen, but the actors were saying, you know, we have a community here. We have a Broadway community here. We don't feel that for TV film. Like, That's great. There Mm -hmm. are wonderful things about it. But I think that considering how many people were kind of young people there who are trying to get a foothold in the industry, like that romanticization of the industry is not helpful for them. And I think it's frustrating for like those of us who have worked on Broadway or tried to work on Broadway for many a year to hear. And it's it wasn't like every single panel and every single panelist, but like we both attended a panel on non kind of what is it like backstage, like non-traditional roles. They called it like roles Are on Broadway if you're not an actor, quote unquote, yeah. non-traditional roles on Broadway. Um, so it was like general management, company management, um, mm-hmm. and like just. Which is also another topic that deserved more than an hour, like just give general managers their own panel next year. Like, yeah, I mean, this was, it was broader. It was was a broad range. It was very broad. Yeah. But yeah, there was, there were some panelists in that session who talked a lot about, well, first of all, to say one of them in particular was probably 15 to 20 years older than us. Mm -hmm. Would you say? Yeah, at least. And um, 
And so talking about his experience coming up is just like, you need to acknowledge how it's different now. It's yeah, it's just sort of not relevant. And yet um, there was a lot of sharing of uh, experiences of, you know, doing one unpaid internship and it turning into a full time job within Mm -hmm. a month of you starting the internship because, oh, look, a position opened up. Um, That just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen anymore. And at one point he actually said, you know, 10 years ago, Broadway was running on interns. It was like Broadway would fall apart without interns. And nobody would acknowledge that that was a problem. And I think that that's a problem. The fact we're not acknowledging it. Yeah, I agree. And and there was a lot of very um, frustrating. Yeah, it was a bit of a frustrating panel. And I agree that there were some and like, again, you know, assuming best intentions and like giving uh, benefit of the doubt, like one of my biggest criticisms, and I think this relates, is just that there's some of these topics are just too huge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partly why nuances like that aren't or weren't getting sufficiently brought up. Yeah. Although, you know, the example we just cited was like particularly egregious and you could very easily in like one sentence without taking up much time acknowledge that the situation has changed drastically since then and that maybe advocating ceaselessly for unpaid internships is uh, not the move anymore. But I digress. Yeah, it's not the move anymore. And I think that there was a lot of rhetoric, not just in that panel, but in others about like, take every single opportunity. And that only works to a point. I think I don't think it's terrible. There's diminishing returns. But I think that there's more of a balance between reality and the romantic nature of the industry than anyone wanted to acknowledge. And yeah, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, the the musicals and mental health panel as sort of the biggest example of a topic that was simply too large. And not only is the topic too huge for it to really be addressed sufficiently, but I think honestly, like this panel had too many participants um, given the time constraint and the size of the subject. Basically, you know, it's it's a crucial conversation to be having. And the session was still like well worth my time and really moving and profound and important. But the fact of the matter is that there were five panelists plus the moderator and she asked one question about mm-hmm. or asking everyone to just sort of go down the table and share whatever they were comfortable sharing about their particular their personal journey with mental health and that was the only question that was asked and there was absolutely no time for any crosstalk because it was literally only each person telling their story and didn't even get to the last panelist until like two minutes before the session was set to end um, yeah. So th- it it went over by about fifteen or twenty minutes, which was like there was nothing after it. It was the last session of the day, um, mm-hmm. and most people stayed um, because it was really, like I said, like an important conversation to have, even though it didn't really even have the opportunity to be a conversation. 
Yeah, and I think that that's unfortunate because I do think that I saw some really good moderation and I saw some like subpar moderation and this kind of sounds like a like a situation where maybe the moderator wasn't quite suited. To no. The task. I actually disagree with that in really? this case because it was just how it was set up. Yeah, I think nobody was going off on irrelevant tangents. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't an issue of like we need to a moderator needing to rein in the conversation and get things back on track or move things along. It's that these were people sharing very personal and emotional experiences and it it would have been inappropriate to be like, okay, stop talking now. No, but I'm also saying that maybe that wasn't the question to start with, if that was how the conversation Maybe, but I think it's also just that yeah, no, but I understand that like once it's once it's going, once it's going, it's definitely hard to hit a stopping point with something like that. But, you know, maybe maybe that was just too broad of a question to start off. Well, with. that's it is broad, but I think one, I think it's possible that she anticipated people not sharing as much as they were willing to share. Mm-hmm. And also, that's why I said maybe there were simply too many panelists. Not necessarily yeah, that. that not necessarily that it was like the wrong question or poorly moderated, but that like five people was too many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we've covered a lot of like the criticism. I think that in terms of like romanticizing the industry, having more specific panels in the future, like these are all things that could. It's not like they're they're on like a one way street. And they can't course correct. Like, this is just something that I I think it's something that Broadway Con should maybe think about in the future. I know that sometimes with cons, you go and you can say, oh, I want like the kid track. I want the LGBTQIA plus track. Maybe in the future, there's something like, okay, like, maybe we have a good mix that we have like an actor track, like a young actor track or like a mid-career director track Mm -hmm. or a dramaturgy track or something like that. So that, like, there are suggested panels for your interests that then you can also, like, mix and match from. That would I just be think cool. it's something something that they could, like, think about for the future. If they're going to be doing this, moving away from being so fan-driven into being more about, like, the industry itself. But in terms of, like, things we liked, I think we liked a lot about the con. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I had a really fun time. Also, like, I know that we said it was exhausting and, like, you said you were exhausted. Chillest most least exhausting con I've ever been to. <laughs> Literally, I have to say the reason I was so exhausted was solely because of having to be somewhere outside of my apartment by 10 a.m. when I've been working from home full time for like two years. Okay. It sounds like a you problem. <laughs> it is. I never I never said it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um so, like, I had a really... Also, I feel like I spent more time in panels than I normally do at cons. Yeah. Um, it was, it was like, really... We were trying to get our, like, our spend our time on as many panels as possible. I yeah, think. I think it felt almost more like a conference than a convention in some it ways. It was. It was. Just based yeah. on how we structured our days. For sure. So, like, do you want to share some stuff that, like, you took away that was great and... Uh, or, like, anything funny that happened? Oh my God, yes. So one of my favorite things was a panel on disability in theater. And like, I think specifically on stage, I mean, all the panelists were actors. It was um, 
Katie Sullivan and Greg Mosgala from Cost of Living and Madison Ferris, who was in the Sam Gold revival of The Glass Menagerie as Laura. And it was delightful. I mean, obviously, for what the like sixth or seventh time right now, I'm just going to yell about how much I loved Cost of Living. But Greg was talking about how the disability community is really dispersed because it intersects with every other identity possible. And so he cracked a joke like, you know, there's no, you know, there's no neighborhood Manhattan neighborhood called mm. Little Disability. Yeah. And it was just a very funny quip in the midst of like a larger point that he was making, but it made me laugh. Um, and also like Matt, I didn't see the revival of Glass Menagerie that Madison Ferris was in, but she is hilarious as a person. I had a great time. That was a really great discussion. And then not so much funny, but just really impactful was the first panel I attended the whole weekend on Friday morning uh, that seemed to be a bit of a last minute edition that was called Jewish Identity in Theater. And the panel featured Al Silber, Ari Axelrod, Talia Suskauer, Brandon Uranowitz, mm. Shoshana Bean, and Zach Prince. And it was moderated by Becca Suskauer, who's Talia's sister. And it was very meaningful. They articulated a lot of things that I am often thinking about and got into a pretty lengthy conversation, maybe about halfway through the panel, about the casting for the Funny Girl National Tour where they cast a woman who is not Jewish as Fanny Bryce. And it was like, frankly, like a cathartic hour. And so... That was a real highlight. Yeah, so that was a real highlight, and so was the the disability panel. It was it was great. What about you? Overall, like I found out about a lot of really cool projects. Nothing we want to like really shout out right now, because then I'd have to shout out all of them, and I haven't really looked into them yet. <laughs> but I have like <laughs> the names of a bunch of projects people were like promoting or shouted out uh, that I really want to keep an eye on. There was also a lot about like educational theater settings and how they work in relationship to professional theater so like regional theaters that have relationships with universities or I attended a panel well that came up in a few of the ones I attended too yeah one of the AAPI representation mm -hmm. panels um they were talking about how how you shouldn't discount educational settings for like workshopping things and like trying mm. things out on like university students um, because you can get a lot of like really good work. I think that there is like an ethical component to that of like using students for you know professional development that like it's a it's a careful balance you got to find a balance sure. there but it was something that I was thinking about a lot I went to a panel about how to start a Broadway podcast that <laughs> was just really fun gee have we started one of those yet Alex I don't know is this a Broadway podcast that's a good question. Um, exactly. Is Broadway Con even a Broadway Con? I know, and like that was that was really really great. What even is Broadway? I've already talked about the Wicked panel. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Oh my god, not tonight. Of what even is Broadway? Yeah. <laughs> the Wicked panel that I mentioned before about twenty years of Wicked was like really eye opening and definitely like accomplished what it set out to do, which I thought was great. I mean, my favorite hour of the con was probably the Anne Juliet panel. 
Um, which consi- it consisted of lead actors in the show. It was Melanie LaBerry, Paulo Schott, Betsy Wolf, Felipe Arroyo, and Stark Sands. And, you know, if you get those that group in a room, you think you're, you're just going to talk about, like, kind of the actor's experience, but they actually talked a lot about the dramaturgy of the show, especially, like, Melanie has been with the show since, like, a workshop years and years ago, and they were all... The, the, everyone She's on, the nurse, right? Yeah. And everybody in the show was in the out of town in Toronto before going to Broadway, and so they were talking about changes there and just, like working with Max Martin songs, and it was really well moderated. I was so impressed. It was um, Ruthie Fearberg, who is the executive editor of Broadway News, and it was just such a joyful hour with a bunch of actors who I think are doing stunning work in Anne Juliet and are having, like, the time of their lives. <laughs> and, I mean, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but Anne Juliet was my favorite show of the season. I think it's terrific. Um, I'm debating going back a third time. Uh, just, I had a great time. It was great. Uh, a couple other funny things that happened was I was in the Broadway podcast panel and Alana Levine to like everyone in the room just goes, This it was, it was like in context of a story. Well, we all know that the Evan Hansons date each other, right? And it's just like, it was very funny. That's so good. We do all know that. I know I texted you this, but I heard a new pronunciation of Prima Fauci. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. I think it was like... You just said Fauci like Anthony Fauci. That's how I think it's supposed to be. Nobody knows. Who, nobody nobody knows. knows. Does Jody Comer even know? I don't know. <laughs> and like, lastly, I do collect pins, like pop culture pins. And I picked up a couple at the marketplace that I'm really jazzed about. And I did go back at the 11th hour and pick up a uh, New York City Center Tick, Tick, Boom poster for myself, which I'm very excited to frame and hang up because that production was incredible. I just remembered oh, no. one more Great amazing time. moment yes, go. from the Jewish Identity panel where it was towards the end and Brandon Uranowitz was speaking and he was like very passionately talking about something. He was like in the middle of a whole like long thing and seamlessly in the middle of it, he picks up his phone and goes, oh my God, my mom is calling me right now. <laughs> and it was, yes. it was the most Jewish thing that could possibly have happened did, at the Jewish identity th- in he, theater panel. Did he pick up? He did not pick up. Oh. Um. Um, It was so funny. And then, of course, the actual final word said at this panel was Shabbat Shalom. Also, Brandon Uranowitz. Perfect. Because this was Friday. This was Friday morning, right? This was Friday morning. Incredible. So also speaking of, you know, Broadway Con as a fandom experience for folks there is absolutely cosplay going on yes and i saw some good stuff i saw some good stuff Um, too there (laughs) there was one person dressed as rum tum tugger yeah um, that i really like full face paint enjoyed it very much there was a woman dressed as fanny bryce sitting in front of me at the jewish identity and theater panel while they were discussing the Funny Girl tour casting, so that was a great meta moment. Uh-huh. Um, 
Also saw Alex and I were standing together when we saw someone walk by in Mark Cohen <laughs> cosplay. And really, it's like that's a bold choice for a hot day in the middle of July to be in a sweater and a scarf. But like, good but job. like a plus. Um, I think that like my favorite technically um, because it was so gorgeous was the person who wore a ball gown of Newsies strike like papers um I saw her too it was it was amazing and then we actually were at the cosplay um panel together and she was like that they were trying to encourage everyone to come up to the front and she was like okay okay but I take up two seats and like it was just so cute it was really good and then I also saw a couple really good queens from six um like a few different ones throughout the weekend that was just like amazing like if you cosplay you're a star honestly I personally don't really do it but I I have so much respect for the people who do great well thank you to BroadwayCon for uh, approving our press passes thank you BroadwayCon for allowing us to go I know I've I think I've mentioned this before but I'm also like a a little bit of a fan studies scholar and how it intersects with theater studies. So it's, it's very fun for me to go to, it was really fun for me to get to experience that and also like get to think more about how those two areas interact. And I think that we have a lot to talk about. It gave us a lot of ideas for the podcast. So stay tuned. And we got to, like, meet and see a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Shout out to, um, in addition to Michael Kushner, who I already shouted mm-hmm. out. And we go way back. We've known each other. We went to camp together and we've known each other forever. Um, but also shout out to Rachel and Will of mm-hmm. the Theater Lovers. We have bracelets um, from them now. We Yes, we got a Theater Lovers friendship bracelet from <laughs> Rachel. Love it. Thank you to Rachel and to Taylor Swift. Thank you, Taylor Swift, for bringing back <laughs> friendship bracelets into the zeitgeist. I am truly thrilled about it. Sidebar. It's so fun. And yeah, it was just like, I mean, I mean, with any con, really, like, if you go, people will just talk to you and be nice and, and, and want to talk about like what you're all there to talk about. So like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I recommend Broadway Con. Yeah. Go next year if you can. Yeah. I'm giving it thumbs up. They've already announced the dates for next year. It's not at the Marriott Marquis, I saw. Yeah, so next year's Broadway Con will be July 26th through 28th at the New York Hilton Midtown, which I'm not sure what the, like, cross streets of that are offhand, but mm-hmm. um, we'll hopefully see you there. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll even have a panel of our own. That would be something. That would be great. And if you were also attending Broadway Con this year, this past weekend, um, or by the time you're listening to this a couple weeks ago, but if you discovered our podcast through Broadway Con, let us know. Give us a shout out. Find us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. And check us out on Patreon and all the places. And we're so excited you're here. And thank you for listening. Oh, oh, I got it. Um, And also, just as a heads up for everybody, we will be taking a pre-planned bit of a little summer break for this uh, final stretch of summer. Yes. And we'll be back in mid-September. Mid-September. Yeah, because we deserve 
Podcasters deserve a break, too. 100%. We will still be releasing, like, little more, like, audiograms on social media, maybe some cut content. Mm -hmm. And certainly, and we'll definitely still be releasing some things on our Patreon in that time. So keep an eye out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And we look forward to reconnecting with you in the fall. We've got some really great guests lined up that we're, like, really excited about so please 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 don't drop us during our summer hiatus may or may not be some guests who we've like already shouted out many times on yeah the podcast. that we're really excited about really excited and uh share the podcast with a friend in the meantime too if you think if you know somebody who you think would really like mm-hmm. it they've got plenty of time to catch up on our modest back catalog <laughs> do you think that we solved broadway con 2023 i think so now we've got to get started solving 2024 well uh i already have like five ideas for cosplay yeah for sure and uh thanks again thanks for listening thank you so much bye 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 any opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and do not reflect the views of our or our guests employers or clients for more of our opinions and other theater related content Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and pretty much everywhere else at Partial View Pod. You can also find and support us on Patreon. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Fetter and on Instagram at Danielle.Fetter. Follow me there. And I tweet and post pictures of my theater programs and books at Alexandra D L E Y. Till next time. Bye.